Amen. You may be seated. Lord, I pray that somehow we'd be able to connect with that sacrifice that you made. The suffering that you endured for us. The tremendous cost that we might be set free. Lord, we think on these things and we praise you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just look at one really important verse in the scripture this afternoon. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That one verse has been called the heart of the Bible. The heart of the Christian faith. That one verse describes very simply, I think, what happened on Good Friday. And what needed to happen on Good Friday so that we could be forgiven and saved. I want you to notice a really important word in that verse, and it's actually a very important word in all of Scripture. It's a word that a lot of people don't like. They sort of scoff at it. It's the word sin. People do not like to talk about sin. A lot of folks in this world will try to downplay that word sin, but it is a very serious word. Sin is breaking God's commandments, not keeping God's righteous standards. If you steal or covet or commit adultery or disobey your parents or treat people poorly, you sin. If you speak a lie or tell a dirty joke or curse or ridicule or mock someone, you sin. If you think one sinful thought contrary to what God has declared as righteous, you sin. We are all sinners. I don't think I have to convince anyone here this morning, or at least I hope I don't, that the human race is a sinful human race. We see sinners in action every day on the headlines of our newspapers. And we all know inherently that we are not perfect. We're sinful. In fact, probably most everyone here has committed heinous sins that we are totally ashamed of and would not want anyone else to know about. Sin is why there's death, suffering, illness, crime. We live in a fallen world because of sin. But worst of all, sin puts us in a very dangerous position with God, the one who made us and loved us. For you see, God is holy. He's without sin. And he can't tolerate sin. And sin separates us from him. And even further, 
God is righteous and just, and in his justice, all sin must be punished. But praise God, he's a God of grace. And he's a God of love. And he took action to make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus, his Son, to make salvation possible. And this verse right here is like peering under the hood. It's like looking at the mechanics of how Christ made it possible. I want you to notice what we find out about Jesus from this son, from this one verse. Jesus knew no sin, for he made him who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was absolutely perfect. Think of it. Not one sinful action, not one sinful word, not one sinful thought. Sinless perfection. The Lord Jesus Christ. He knew no sin. In fact, the Bible even says that Jesus was in all points tempted as we all are, yet without sin. Think of how many times you've been tempted today. Think of the temptations to sin and how often we fail. Jesus was sinless, and that's because Jesus was no ordinary man. The Bible says, the Son of God became man, came to planet Earth, and lived the perfect, sinless, holy, righteous life. Look what it says. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin. The sinless one was made to be sin. Jesus became sin for us at the cross on Good Friday. Now, it's really important that you understand exactly what that means. It does not mean that Jesus became a sinner personally. It does not mean that Jesus became sinful personally. Understand, Jesus personally remained sinless on the cross. He's perfect. It's impossible for him to sin. He became Sin for us. That means our sins were transferred to him. He bore our sins. God the Father treated Jesus, his son, as if he were a sinner. Because all our sins were placed on him. 
Let's suppose that all your sins have been written in one massive book. Would that be a massive book? The book's heavy. Records every rotten thing you've ever said, every unkind word you've ever spoken, every mean thought, every lustful fantasy, every evil imagination, and all your bad attitudes from the day of your birth till the day of your death. Picture yourself trying to hold that book. Now picture Jesus standing next to you. Holy, perfect, pure, good. He has no book in his hands because he never sinned. Now picture Christ on the cross with the weight of millions of books upon his bleeding back. Look closely and you will see that each book is the personal record of someone who lived on the earth. And if you look closely, you can see your book too. He took your sins. The record of all your evil and all your failings and all your shortcomings, he took it upon himself when he died on the cross. Truly, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that is what transpired at the cross. He bore all of our sins. And not only that, the scripture says that he paid for our sins. He took the punishment for our sins. Think back to the magnifying glass you played with as a child. Did anybody do this? If held under the sun's ray, it could start a fire. Remember how if you focused it, that white spot of its concentrated life, light on a leaf or a bug. Only boys did that, by the way. <laughs> it would begin to burn. Our sins were focused on Christ, on the cross. And he suffered the fiery wrath of God. What Jesus felt while dying on the cross was the total agony of every soul in hell for all of eternity put together, suffered, and concentrated into a few hours. All the punishment for all the sin of all time, that was the depth of his death. He was guilty of no sin, yet he suffered for all sin. We will never know. We could never know. The suffering that Jesus endured on that cross. You know, we tend to fixate upon the physical sufferings of Jesus on the cross. In fact, on my Facebook, I opened up Facebook and I saw a lot of pictures out of the movie that Mel Gibson did years ago, The Passion of the Christ. And that movie even fixated on the physical violence. And by the way, he suffered physically. But the worst part was bearing our sin and bearing our punishment. The gospel accounts tell us that Jesus was put on the cross at 9 a.m. At noon, everything became eerily dark. And from noon to three, he bore our sins, he paid the price. Gang, that 
is what Jesus agonized over in the Garden of Gethsemane. That is why he said to his father, if possible, take this cup from me. But you know what? Knowing full well what was coming, he did it. Jesus, in full, lucid consciousness, took on your sins and mine and bore them with a unity of understanding and pain that none can fathom, and he did it willingly. Because he loves you. Jesus, the one who knew no sin, became sin. And what did it accomplish for you and I? says that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ's sacrifice on the cross makes it possible for sinners like you and me to become, listen, the righteousness of God. We can become righteous We can become sinless. We can become perfect in the eyes of a holy God. You could read this verse, He who knew no sin became sin, so that we who knew no righteousness could become righteous. He paid for the sins. They're paid for. And this means that when we trust Christ, our sin is credited to Christ's account and his righteousness is credited to our account. He takes our debt and we get his credit. He paid what we owed and could never pay and he gives us what he has and we could never earn. The most amazing transaction and transfer and exchange happens through the cross. A much simpler way to think of it. Jesus stood in my shoes at the cross so I could stand in his shoes today. Think of all the different ways that God has blessed us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He descended that we might ascend. He became poor that we might become rich. He was born that we might be born again. He became a servant that we might become sons and daughters. He had no home that we might have a home in heaven. He was hungry that we might be fed. He was thirsty that we might be satisfied. He was stripped that we might be clothed. He was forsaken that we might not be forsaken. He was sad that we might become glad. He was bound that we might go free. He was made sin that we might be made righteous. He died that we might live. He came down that we might one day be caught up. The great transfer. 
made possible by a sacrifice that we can't even fathom. That's what we remember on Good Friday. Now, I want you to understand this afternoon that that sacrifice has been paid. It really happened. And Jesus, on the third day, rose again. And I want you to know that salvation is possible, but you must receive it. Bible says salvation comes through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, you must embrace it. You must receive him personally. You must ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You must bow before him and admit your sinfulness. Admit what you know to be true. You're a sinner. Understand that Jesus died for you and rose again. And if you place your faith and trust in him, you will become the righteousness of God in him. Don't believe a real big lie out there. There's a lie in this society and in this world that says, well, if you're just better than the next guy, then you're going to make heaven. You just got to, you know, do a few good works and you can earn your way to heaven. Nope. Nope. God does not grade on a curve. Sorry. We're all sinners. And no amount of good works could save us. A little boy came running into the house after playing outside and his mother stopped him and asked what was on his right hand and replied, oh, just a little mud. His mother then asked if he was planning on getting it off his hand, and he thought for a moment and said, sure, Mom, I'll just wipe it off with my other hand. Only one problem with the plan. One dirty hand plus one clean hand equals two dirty hands. Many people are like that little boy. They see the evil and wrongs in their life, and they think they can make themselves clean by bringing the good in their life to bear on the problem. But it doesn't work that way. We all need a way to be made morally and spiritually clean, and we will never succeed in doing it ourselves. The only solution is to be found in the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sins. Have you received him? And you know what? When you receive Christ, you become a child in his family. And he'll fill you with his spirit. And he'll transform your life here. And he'll give you a reason and a purpose to live. He can heal things that you've broken in your life. He can heal marriages and friendships and a parent-child relationship. On the third day, Jesus rose again. He's alive. Amen? Amen. And we're going to celebrate that this Sunday. He's alive right now to save you. He'll do it right now. If you place your faith and trust in him. We're about to hand out these communion elements. This is an ordinance that Jesus commanded that his people keep. And I want you to know that communion is for the family of God. It's for Christians. We take the bread the juice, 
represents the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. We do this often as a church to remember what Christ did. And it's something that sort of reinvigorates us as Christians and refocuses us as Christians. And it gives us a time quite often to consider how are we following and serving the Lord right now. But taking the elements doesn't save you. It's for those who are saved. If you're not sure that you're a child in the family of God, I want you to be sure before you partake and participate with us. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To allow the one who knew no sin and became sin so that you could be the righteousness of God. To allow him to do that in your life right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Would we have our worship band and would we have the guys that are going to help me distribute? Please come forward. Very holy, serious moment. Good Fridays and Easter's and Christmases come and go. And it's sad how many people just don't even really understand what they're all about. Maybe that's been you. Another Good Friday, another Easter. But perhaps the light turned on. And I would invite you right now on this Good Friday to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life. To receive what he did for you. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I humbly admit before you that I am a sinner. And I need to be forgiven. And I am amazed this morning at what you did for me. You took my book. And you died in my place. I believe that. And I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior. I receive that gift of salvation. Fill me with your spirit. Change me. Help me to follow you.